Welcome to Veterans State of Mind. I'm your host, Garen Jones, and we have one of our brothers from across the pond for you today. Uh, before we get into him, ooh, uh, I just want to say a big thank you to Combat Fuel for sponsoring today's podcast and for sponsoring Me Juicy Gains. Vegan protein. I ain't no vegan. Got nothing against them, but I ain't one. But I do love the salted caramel protein from Combat Fuel. Why? Because it's delicious. I appreciate a good protein shake. Um, I'm sure I am not the only one here who spent time gulping down big lumps of powder in red hot water whilst on deployment. Thankfully, those days are behind us, and now we can have a beautiful essence shake. I also love the pre-workouts. I use the pump-up pre-workout sometimes, a.k.a. arms day, and I use the um, regular pre-workout on the other days. Uh, that one has caffeine in it. The pump-up one doesn't have caffeine in it. still gives you good buzz. I don't know how, because it doesn't have caffeine in but they have the the witchcraft and the potions knowledge down there, um, and the regular the regular one does have caffeine in that will blow your head off. And I use that for legs day, which is not arms day, and therefore not as much fun. But you got to do it. Also, want to say a big thank you to Zulu Alpha Strap Company. They are bombers watch straps for Ali blokes. Americans listening are like, what is a bombers watch strap and what is an Ali bloke? A bombers watch strap just means that you have a very distinguished wrist strap no, wrist strap you have a very distinguished strap on your wrist and an alley bloke is a distinguished gentleman so basically you get yourself a zulu watch strap and i am not saying that you will be the next james bond but you will be the closest thing to him in your village or wherever you live they got stuff that is very durable so if you're in the military you need to have something that is not going to snap under stress you need something that is going to Keep your watch on your wrist so you could be in the right place at the right time. Zulu Alpha Straps got you covered there. And also, if you are, maybe if you're out in the military now and you want to be impressing people, you know, you want a bit of swag, then they have you covered on that front too because they have all kinds of different patterns. Um, the pieces, the, the straps look fantastic, guys, and especially when you combine them with a nice watch. You can find them on uh, at Zulu Alpha Straps on social media. Everything's linked down in the show notes to Combat Fuel and Zulu Alpha Straps. All right, today's guest, you're going to know him. His name is Jared Taylor. He is, according to his Instagram profile, everyone's favorite drunk uncle, which is a little bit scary. Um, He is one of the founders of Black Rifle Coffee. He's a United States Air Force veteran, uh, all-around good bloke. Um, We... What, and this is something I've said on the podcast before, and I'll say it again because I always want to say thank you to people that help me out. Uh, Black Rifle Coffee, one, one of these companies where, because uh, I'm, I'm interested. I want to know things about how businesses run. I want to know things about how content is made, and they're the, they're the kind of guys who will always answer questions and will always help other veterans. They help veterans in loads of other ways, and um, I, I fucking love that about them. Um, I know that we've had, um, and this, I'm tooting their horn for them because they won't toot it themselves. They, um, I know before they've they've shipped uh, massive amounts of coffee and supplies to British troops um, as well as American ones. They appreciate their allies too, and um, I think that's fucking awesome. There's a lot of a lot of people out there who walk the walk, but these I uh, sorry, there are a lot of guys out there who talk the talk, but these guys actually walk the walk. So please give a very warm welcome to Mr. Jared Taylor, aka JT. JT, welcome to the podcast, mate. How are you doing? Oh, great, great. I'm glad to be here. We're glad to have you on, mate. We've been trying to make it happen um, for a while, but I know you are busy bees um, out there in San Antonio. The last time we tried, the internet went out, and that was right oh, yeah. before we had the giant cold front. And so I couldn't get the internet working the day that we were supposed to be recording. That, that's a good point. And if you'd have died in that cold front, then we would never this never would have happened. And a great piece, <laughs> a, a great a great piece of the of the what you call it, the zeitgeist would have been lost. Yeah, uh, I gotta tell you this. The other day, I was flicking through my phone, and I saw this uh, motorbike jumping over a helicopter. And I didn't even see it, and I was like, it's got to be a Black Rifle video. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and, it, and it was. It, it, it was. And I think anybody listening to this podcast has probably seen the um has probably seen black rifle videos, probably familiar with like the just the fucking craziness that you guys do. But I want to get in today to about, you know, because I think anyone that creates content or has been involved in any kind of like creative process knows that. For the finished product, there's a lot of stuff that you don't see, and I really kind of want to dive into that. But first of all, as people will be able to tell, you are from the United States. I'd like to know a bit more about where you grew up and how that, 
you know how how you found your way into the uh, into the military. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I I grew up in a place called Nevada, California, which is just north of San Francisco, off Highway 101. You pretty much cross the Golden Gate Bridge, and uh, there's one little town, and then Nevada is 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 right there. And at the time, you know, my dad was in the Navy on fast attack submarines, and they were based out of a base in San Francisco called Mare Island. Uh, so my dad would commute from Nevada uh, to Mare Island every morning until I was about eight years old when uh, Clinton uh, administration bracked and closed a bunch of bases. Uh, what that did is it crushed kind of everything down to, to specific strategic locations. So all the submarines from Mare Island moved up to Washington State in a, in a place called Silverdale or Subbase Banger. Uh, so I moved up there when I was about eight or nine years old. And uh, went to high school in the Pacific Northwest in Washington. It's very, it's similar to your weather, you know, kind of cold and shitty. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you did you say Bangers in B A N G O R? Yes. Yeah. So that so that's a town in North Wales. So I'm, I'm assuming that place was probably established by a bunch of Welsh immigrants. It must have, you know. Why not? <laughs> yeah, and who who yeah, like you said, probably felt right right at home there. So I mean, so the military connection then, obviously, you got your dad. Is it like what about in general with the family? Well, it was yeah, my dad, my dad's dad, uh, probably like you as a kid that uh, that watched U.S. Navy SEALs and Delta Force and and all those cool movies that just made it look so crazy cool. Uh, and I loved it. Like, like when I was 10 years old, when we moved to Washington, it was like, what we did was dress up in camouflage and go out in the woods and play army. Did you do, did you do like up there? Did you do like hunting and stuff? Do you ever get into that at that age? Not really. It was always just, it was always just playing in the yard. Yeah. Hunting men or preparing to. So what were well, you joined? Um, you joined the air force, right? Yes. So was that to do something different than your dad? But but like different, but same kind of thing. I was going in at 17 years old and I was, I wasn't uh, like one of those stubborn opinionated kids. I was, I listened, I think a little bit more. And my dad just said that the air force is just better than their people when it comes to bases, locations, pays, like, you know, the amenities that you get as far as the military just said, Hey, the air force is better. Go there. Now, I wasn't happy with my job that I had chose because to me, like, it was combat or die, you know? Mm. I don't want to do anything anything else that's not related to ground combat, but it was like when I got to basic training for the Air Force, that's when they they kind of introduced us to what TAC-Ps were, and I, I, I was just clawing my way. I couldn't claw my way into that fast enough and raised my hand and said, I volunteer, I want to try. So what is it? What's a TAC P? So it stands for Tactical Air Control Party. It is the liaison piece between the Air Force and the Army, uh, Army maneuver units. So every Army maneuver units, meaning an Army combat unit. So your different divisions, your armor, your light infantry, your mechanized infantry, your cavalry, you know, your airborne. Um, all those divisions have. Tac P's in them, and those Tac P's are the ones that control and coordinate all your air support. And that, so it's two functions. The coordinate is a big piece. It's hey, we are huge mission planners that are with the battalion senior staff and the and the, and the division and higher general staff, looking at what what it is their objectives are, and we're we're that expert saying hey, here's where aircraft can help you with this. Hey, you want to have this type of security, these type of aircrafts, these types of pods, these can meet your mission requirements. And then the commanders and the operations officers look to us and say, you know what? I like what you sold me on. Let's go ahead and get that for this operation we're planning. And then it's up to us to build that request through the Air Force channels to 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 ask the Air Force for those assets to support. And then once we get approved and those assets are, are allocated to us for support, then we are the ones on the ground talking to them and coordinating them to be safe around the Army Maneuver Unit. So we're, we're that person that is battle tracking and keeping track of our friendly Army units. So if we have to employ air-to-ground munitions, 
we can do it in a manner where we're not harming our friendlies. So that's a lot of responsibility for young dudes to have. Yeah. And we're talking NCO, like what, what, what kind of level do you, do you, do you come in at like a equivalent to private level or do you come in at like a higher rank because of the job? No, you come in, you come in at a private level and yeah, it, you are very young with a lot of responsibility, but you have a lot of training, you know, back when I did this, it took almost three years for you to be a certified JTAC oh. joint terminal attack. So you have you have been ran through the widgets. And did you join? I should have asked this. Did you join before or after nine eleven? It was after. So I came in in two thousand three. Was that something that was part of the, the decision making for you going? Because like like you said, like it was combat or die. Um, I, I suppose at that point, you know, you'd seen enough on TV to know that 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 was a, a you know because a lot of people that joined the military in the nineties or you know like late nineties didn't didn't know if you're going to get it or not. But after after nine eleven, there was a good chance of it happening, right? Oh no, a hundred percent. I I knew that's why we were going. So that was always. I've never seen a military without war, so I don't know it. I don't know it any different. Yeah, it'd be, we, we, I think it's weird, right? Like, so I think because um, we're probably about around about the same age, so you probably still got friends that are same still in the military now. And I was talking to some of my friends because a lot of my friends have still stayed in. I'm like, what? It must be so fucking weird for you because their first ten years was just deployment, deployment, deployment. And then the last 10 years has been nothing. And they're like, just dude, it fucking sucks. Like to be in the military without deployment. Yeah. But you know, they're in that point now where they've got, um, the pension that they're, you know, they're locked in with the pension, they're locked in with the job, um, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, but it, it just must be really, really fucking weird. But you go, you go back to, you, you go onto military bases and stuff like fairly regularly, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still, I'm still, you know, a big part of everything. And you know, now all my friends are running the show. So that's the, do they ever, do they ever let you get back on the, uh, get back on the mic and call, call some fucking? Uh, yes, I have. Really? I, I have got. Yeah, I've gotten invited out to do some cast stuff, which is fun. I mean, it, it just changes so much, you know. Especially now, uh, we're we've gone into the digital age, right? So there's a lot of stuff I don't know anymore. So I, I can't, I can't say, oh, I was so good at it and I'd be good at it. You know, it's second nature. No, with all the technology that changes and how fast it changes, you know, I was in the baby, the baby stages of NASA and now digital cast is king. So it's, it, it, I, I wouldn't know what to do. So let's talk about, let's talk about deployments there. So you joined for combat. When did you get, when, when were you granted? When did the combat genie come out of the bottle and be like, you know, wish granted for you that was that was 2005 uh came down to me from the 18th airborne corps uh and i got to support uh the 18th airborne corps i was going at a core level which that's theater control so i wasn't i wasn't happy with that deployment but i was eager to get out the door to start working and so i deployed to baghdad and went to the Alpha Palace at the M- MNCI, the Multinational Corps of Iraq, um, and worked in in the theater where General Vines and uh, and General Petraeus ran the war of Iraq. So you were in the so, in the same room as them, that kind of thing. Yes, I sat right behind General Petraeus. Did you did you see him sending dick pics to people? <laughs> Not no, <laughs> over over his, you were looking over his shoulder, like what the fuck's he got? He doing there? I think he was just a, I think he was just a three star then two star or three star. It was really, really cool because I got to see warfare at the big picture. I got to see what it meant when the four star general says, this is my, this is my intent. This is where I think this is, this is my priority. And then how that filters down. And even then, you know, I was in the room with your leadership that had all of South Iraq. So you got at Bakaba and down um you know so i was there when uh there were they were throwing Molotov cocktails at your guys's armored vehicle stuff like that and it caused this big ordeal down in bakaba um i'm in the off center when that's happening so i'm seeing it in real time uh and i even leaked up with a with a bunch of your guys back then because uh there was there was a unit stationed on camp victory and it was uh the first battalion of the 16th Royal Irish Rifles. They were Northern Ireland soldiers that owed the Queen. 
So, dude, like, one because one of the things I always think is like, what, and because uh, the reason I'm saying this is because we have like young. I know we got soldiers listening right now who are in a peacetime military and who do want to get deployments and things. And because I'm the same as you, mate. The first deployment I got, it was disappointing for me because I was like, this isn't the job that I wanted. But I kind of like not to the uh, the same exact thing as you. But now I look back on it now and I'm like, wow, that really taught me a lot about the different moving pieces, you know, within the military. And like, you know, I kind of look it back on it now and think that was a really good you know, uh, education and that, you know, there, there's combat tours you want, you want to get on, but I would just advise anybody that does find themselves in one of those positions, make the fucking most of it. You're there. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'll tell you this, and this is the advice I give anybody that the deployment that came down wasn't the one I wanted, but I took it. And after, after doing the best job that I could while I was there, and when my time came up and they were about to send me home, I said, hey, I'll stay. Can you send me to Mosul? And they're like, what? Mosul is like going crazy right now. Why do you want to? I was like, I want to go to Mosul. Sweet. And they were like, yeah, I volunteered for a second rotation. So they sent me to Mosul and I got my, I got my combat time all in the same one. But I was a better and more lethal fighter because I knew how to request better because I was the one that was reviewing the quest requests. So now I knew way more on how to write a request for assets than I ever would have, if you just would have thrown me out there. So as a result, you got to drop more bombs. Well, just, I got more support, like, like dedicated support. So it was very, very, you know, because that trip, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't a certified JTAC, so I was just the, the assistant. So, yes, my JTAC definitely got the job. <laughs> uh, but it was my responsibility to make sure he already he had aircraft above him loaded to the tip. Yeah. Am I, am I, am I fucking, am I going mad here, or do I remember seeing that you and Jack Carr were on the same operation together? Yes. No, that's true. Is Jack Carr's team was a counter-sniper team, and he came out to our fob and actually met with me uh, that we didn't put those pieces together until years later. Um, but he, him and his team were there to take out these hired uh, mercenaries, these Chechen snipers that were in Mosul killing a lot of U.S. soldiers. And, and they went after Chechens are pesky motherfuckers, mate. They pop up. They pop up everywhere, and they, but they are like that's one part of the world I enjoy traveling. It's somewhere that's definitely not on my list of places to to go. Just seems to breed pe- just Seems to breed like hard people that just want to fucking kill kill British and fucking American soldiers. They were they were probably in Afghanistan too, but it's just um, I almost feel like it's almost like one of those medieval places that just churns out like warriors that then just disperse around. You know the world. What what was your first experience saying on? You probably don't know who was who, who was um, you know pulling the trigger. But what was your first experience of combat like once you got out the out the ops room? Uh, well, yeah, it was. You know, we leave the gate, and you're asking. You know, you're asking a lot of questions. It's like, so what's it like out there? Blah blah blah. blah. The guys are like, dude, just be ready. Like, and then yeah, it was the first time we left the gate. Like it was probably 15 minutes into the drive. And I, but back then we were doing presence patrols, which were recon by fire. Hey, drive around until people start shooting at you. Like it was just, Oh, there's loud pops and snaps and things hitting the striker and things like that. I've got to do my job. So, Hey, I'm on the radio. I'm, I'm lining up aircraft. I'm getting helicopters or air weapons teams that we had. Uh, passing him off to my JTAC, making sure he's doing. I'm I'm in the rear roof guard hatch of the striker, so I've got the M240 Bravo on on the rear mount, so I'm guarding our rear as well as doing all this. And it, dude, it's just it's hectic, but it's easy. Yeah, I think something like basically with with when it comes to any kind of combat is the more you've got to do, the less you've got the less you time you have to worry. Think about what's yeah. going on. Like if you are the most junior private who's just and people are just like oi just fucking go over that corner of that building and they've got nothing no other responsibility no nothing they have a lot of time to think whereas anyone that's doing anything else and you know and i i wonder 
what effect that has for um for like coming back off tour as well because like I've always thought like it could go two ways. One is that things don't sink into your mind as much because you were busy while you were doing it. Like I've heard that if you play Tetris, if you if you witness a traumatic event and you do Tetris, apparently it helps you like file that memory away. Um, where but on the other hand, you know if you're just compartmentalizing stuff because you're like, oh holy shit, that guy's leg just came off, or I can't gotta keep doing the job. Um, and then you know because one of the things that you guys probably had to do is. You were you. I imagine you guys were involved with the um, you know, the casualty evacuations a lot with the aircraft for that. Yeah, um, yeah, we would we would pull those in. I never had to to control one just because you either a had a had a medic there that was doing it, and and all, all I had to do was interface and make sure that planes weren't going to hit each other. So, but it's but it's the responsibility for it though. But yes. I know a lot of my friends. Yeah, but you you carry the responsibility because if you fucked up, that person might not make it, you know, back within the, the amount of time. So there's a lot of responsibility on there. Um, wh- what did you like? What did you find that like? Because some people, I think we had, you know, we have some guests on who like they get their first taste of combat and they're like, oh, I actually kind of really enjoy this. <laughs> is that is that something that you had or were you kind of just indifferent to it? Well, yeah, because I mean, it's not a. It's not a, it's not far fetched to kind of think about the feeling. You're, you're around a bunch of your best friends who are holding the best equipment the human race has to offer, and we're all gearing up to go fuck people up that in our minds are bad. You know what I mean? So it's like it's just like when you were a, when you were a schoolboy and somebody fucking beat your buddy up, and you got all your good, your your fucking big badass friends together. <laughs> And now we're walking over to, to, to return the favor. Well, it's no different. Now we just got hardware. <laughs> yeah. So did, did you feel when you were out there then, was it very much in, in like your mind or the minds of the guys out there? Because um, I think this is one thing that might be different with British and Americans because like we didn't have a 9-11, you know? But for you guys, was it like, hey, this is stopping another 9-11, this is what we're here for? Or like we're here to get some fucking payback? Or- no, not really because especially with, with being in Iraq, like it wasn't Iraqis that did nine eleven, so you didn't really have that. Really, it was confusing. It was like <laughs> that was that was the first, mm. and, and that's another big thing. It's like you show up your first two weeks of getting boots on the ground. It's like I want to save everyone from evil, and then you start realizing like this place is real fucked up. <laughs> like yeah, it's it's. The and I, I think something that's something that you probably got more of a view of than most people because you were at that higher level, right? Yeah. So you've got like you've got that. Um, like I, I imagine that when you were in that ops room, you probably started learning a lot about the tribal feuds and all that kind of thing. Yes. Oh yeah. Knowing why and who was a big important. Can you tell people a bit more about that then? A bit, a bit more about the complexities of things that you 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 kind of experienced out there well i mean it's just again like with with iraq specifically because i didn't go to afghanistan and i know it's even worse in afghanistan you got tribes fighting tribes you know tribes fighting you tribes fighting everything it doesn't matter but with us in iraq like the insurgency didn't have a common goal other than to kill infidels like so it wasn't like we are fighting to, they weren't all organized and saying, we're fighting to put our guy in power. It was, you're fighting people up in this region for, we don't even know why, like, why, or, or <laughs> we need to ask them what, what they're, what they're fighting against, because, you know, a large majority of the Republican guard, the Iraqi army, they had disbanded and then were reformed and came back to their, their places underneath us. So you're not fighting other soldiers. It's like, dude, it was very, it was very confusing. And and do you think that that's something that, you know, do you think that's something that like a lot, like, cause you're obviously an intelligent guy, you're in a job with a lot of pressure. You get a lot of FaceTime with officers and people in the know. Do you think that, do you think that that confusion was something that, that, that kind of the average soldier felt out there or, or. Yes. Oh yeah. It was really always like, our missions were going after people that hurt our guys. Like it was like, Hey, these guys just detonated an IED against these dudes. All right. Here's all the Intel on that cell of people that are making IEDs and detonating them against 
American forces. Okay, let's go after them. That's what I mean. It's not like we're not fighting this common enemy. Yeah, so like you know, in Britain, like you say, it was a conflict. It was peacekeeping. Was there any doubt with you guys and and what you've like the support back home that you were at war? We called it a war, I guess. Uh, okay, we're we're fighting Afghanistan and Iraq. Let's go. I mean, really, you're just kind of closed circuited into. I want to deploy. I want to go. To, I want to do my job. That I had to do. I want to do it for real. Yeah, that, that that's exactly how I feel, feel mate. And I, I kind of feel as well like. I feel I feel really lucky that our our kind of like age group generation whatever you want to call it as far as soldiering goes like we got really fucking lucky to cut like cuz a lot of people go through their careers and never get to deploy and do any of that and we got to go like multiple fucking times and we get to be part of that club for the rest of our lives yeah yeah and well and and we'll we'll talk more we'll talk more about the the kind of like the club side of it because I, I do I do think there's something like real truth to that, but um something I want to ask before we move on from the military because I want to talk about creative our uh, creative souls. Uh, what was your favorite aircraft to work with? Because I'm quite I'm a bit of an aircraft junkie, so I'd be interested to know what your favorite ones to work with. Favorite? Have a favorite helicopter? Favorite fixed wing? The OH fifty eight Deltas. Uh, I loved. I loved the team of them, which you know. We had an air weapons team. So you had one Apache, one OH-58, a Kiowa War. Oh, awesome. Sick. Those guys were great. Those guys were so good at their jobs. It was amazing. Um, I worked with the last flight of F-14 Tomcats. I thought that was pretty cool. It's historical. Like, yeah, it's completely historical. Yeah. <laughs> of, hey, I got to control the last F-14s while they were in combat. Did you, did you picture in your mind it was Tom Cruise that you were talking to? A hundred percent. <laughs> Shout out to old Judy, Judy, Judy Faulkner. That that dude was an awesome pilot that flew for me um, out there. The, that's went to the F eighteen Hornets after after the Tomcats were retired. Do you do you ever meet up with these guys now? Like, have you do you have? Because obviously we talked about the Jack Carr thing, but obviously people know you know you have a big presence now. Uh, you go to military bases and all this. Do you have people coming up to you like, hey, I was I met you in Iraq at such and such and that kind of thing? Hundred percent. I mean, I went to uh, the town I live in, Bernie, Texas. I went to their flight school, and the owner of their flight school. As we're talking, you know, I tell him, you know, he asked me what my what my history is with flying and things like that, and I was like, oh, you know, I've got to fly a lot of cool things. I've gotten to fly in a Viper. He goes, a Viper. He's like, I flew Vipers for the Air Force. So I was like, really, where at? He was like, well, I was at here, here, and here. And I go, you're at the 510th, the buzzards? He was like, yeah. I go, were you in Iraq in 2007? He goes, absolutely. I go, I was having a K2. He goes, motherfucker, you've flown for you plenty of times. Oh, that's fucking nuts. <laughs> it's fucking weird, mate. It's a small it's a small fucking world, even in a country the size of America. Um, why, why were you at flight school? You you getting your license? Yes, yes. Oh, sick. So how's that going? You know, I had to take a pause because we got busy, but I'm going to get back into it here in the next couple of weeks. Is that hel- helicopters or um, f- like... Uh, I'm doing fixed wing first and then I'll go into helicopters. That's fucking dope, dude. I want to come out and t- jump in the back of one of those once you get fucking licensed up. Right, what, what's the, um, what, what, what was the kind of the thing, thing behind that? Because one of the questions I was going to have for you, this might be a, nice, a good time to ask it. Um, do you need to keep... Are you somebody that needs to keep busy and learn new things? Or you kind of like... Because I, I find that like a lot of people are in the military. It's like... You're either being ridiculously productive or you're being ridiculously destructive. There's not like usually much in the middle. Does that, does that kind of fit you? Yes, I, I, I dude, I want to, I want to conquer all these things. I want to know, I want to be a pilot. I want to know how to fly both planes, jets, and helicopters. Like, why not? I want to learn how to drive rally. That'd be a sick one. I, I'm looking forward to the Black Rifle video where you jump out the back of your own plane and then somehow manage to get back into, <laughs> into it. Like, if you jump out of one. And then get into another one underneath it, or something. <laughs> and then, but like pilot that one. I don't. We'll figure out. We'll figure out the details later. So, every, everyone's listening has probably heard the Black Rifle. But um, can you give us? Can you give us a? a, a, a I don't really know how how because I, obviously I read Matt's book, so I have a bit. Of, I have a bit of a background about how you guys met and that kind of thing. But can you just tell us how about the whole Black Rifle thing came about? Yeah, you know, we met Evan um, early on. Like right after we started Article 15 clothing, which was you know one of the one of the uh, pillars in the veteran kind of comedy and and brand space back in 2013, and then after meeting Evan, you know Evan had a number of business ventures that we were pushing into, and finally he uh, 
he was telling us about how passionate and um, uh, how much he loved coffee and how he had personally studied it for years, like just for fun and had this, had this book of roast that he had been authoring himself by ordering beans from all over the world and roasting them one pound at a time in his basement just for fun. Like, like, like as a hobby, like it was, it was just a thing he was into. He was into good coffee. It was, there was something about it to him that said, I could order my own beans, come up with my own way to roast it and then make the best cup of coffee for myself in the morning, all from me. Like, that's cool. And then, you know, he had this idea to, Hey, let's start a coffee company. That's not just for hipsters and things like that. Like let's, let's start a coffee company. We can get behind. Let's start black rifle coffee company. And so we did. Are you guys expanded into tea for the British market? Uh, I believe, I believe, uh, Matt and Evan are working on that right now. It's kind of difficult, apparently. Um, I, well, I suppose, yeah, I can, I could see, I could see why because I'm not a coffee expert here, but I can see you got the beans, and everything like that. When I look at a tea bag, there's a lot of little bits of leaf and stuff and thing, and this looks a lot more complicated <laughs> to uh, to put together. When when you you um, something I should say to people is because you when you were serving in the Air Force, you were already kind of indulging like a passion for photography and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So where did that where did that come from? Uh, I had that since I was a kid. You know, I grew up as a skateboarder, and when you're a skateboarder, the thing that you have to do is you have to learn all these tricks so you can make yourself a skate tape to get sponsored and get cheaper cheaper equipment. Um, so I I had picked up a camera by the time I was 12, 13 years old, and started learning editing around fourteen, and just kept that going. I loved it. I wanted to make movies. I wanted to work on movie sets. I wanted to to make funny things. And then I kept that all throughout the military. And then once I had kind of left the active uh, units and went to teach for the military, that's when I really dove hard into the visual arts, if you will, uh, in photography, uh, videography, editing, post-production, special effects, visual effects, and animation. And it was like, it was comedy that you wanted to go, uh, that you wanted to get into. 100%. So cuz that's one of the things I think people underestimate about the military uh, is how fucking like funny it can be. <laughs> right. Like cuz like pe- people people see all these movies when and it's got the hi- it's the, the high strings are playing and there's a grainy filter on there and it's all so somber. And like you and I and most people listening know like that's not the military. The military is like so you probably picked up a lot of comedy gold while you were in. Totally. It just doesn't stop. I mean, because you're just always in these stupid situations. You know, I remember just like us trying to load Humvees on uh, rail cars, a train for JRTC was so, was just, it was so stupid. The process (laughs) was so stupid. It was just so dumb. Like, but we had so many jokes that day. You know, because we had to be there for 14 hours to literally park a Humvee and chain it to a, a rail car. Like, let's be, let's get real. That's not that. <laughs> <different>. Like, <laughs> just the one. Yeah, yeah, just one. <laughs> 14 hours. <laughs> so, um, so when you when you when you were doing all this, then were you were you like pretty much self-taught? Yes, I used well books and YouTube and watching other people. You know, guys like Freddie Wong. Uh, Andrew Kramer back in 2008, 2009, 2010, Corridor Digital. These are all the people that I learned filmmaking from. So you're going, uh, where, and where are you, you getting this from like YouTube or something? Yep, YouTube and websites. But I mean, you didn't really have very good tutorials on YouTube until probably 2012, 13. Before that, you had to, you had to rely on books and stuff, which didn't have a search feature when you're, when you're relying on books. So at that point, point like when you're trying to troubleshoot something you have to thumb through this giant manual and find you know a keyword or something that's that's what you're looking at on this software. and again this software is new so a lot of the bugs and things hadn't yet been discovered because it's just not been through its trials and tribulations where did you like learn to because one of the things we talked about in the last podcast was I was big, I'm a big believer in, in don't teach people like, don't teach people what, teach them how. So like teach them how to learn and then people can keep, it's that old like give a man a fishing rod kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you can fish for life. 
where did where did you learn to go and look for information? Where did you learn to process information? All that was it? Was that from family, friends, or or, or school, or what? I was always curious. Right. I mean, it's I'm still like that to this day. The other last week, I didn't really know anything about uh, caviar. Like I knew that it was expensive, but then I spent a few hours just watching this this informational documentary on caviar that was on YouTube, and it, and it explained why expensive caviar is expensive why where caviar came from what you use it for what you know it was just crazy because you just you go through life like not really knowing certain things about stuff but you're you're familiar with it everybody knows what caviar is but do you really know what caviar is it's like no either why the hell is somebody spending twelve thousand dollars on a tin this big of fish eggs like what <laughs> this is ridiculous why so I went in search of that. Like I think that like that kind of personality can get you in a lot of trouble in the military. <laughs> like when you're like, I'd like to know why we're doing this. It's like, no, you don't need to know why. Oh yeah, that always got me in trouble. Are you kidding? Wait, why? Because but people think you're an asshole for it. It's like, no, I just genuinely want to know. Like why? Why are we why are we doing this? Okay, sometimes being an asshole, but most of the times I just want to know, you know, what what's going on. Like I I, I find it amazing that a lot of people, like, they graduate high school and they're like, yeah, I'm done with learning now. I don't want to learn anymore. Yeah. I just, I just can't, I can't wrap, I can't wrap my head around that. Like, how people just, just, yeah, just kind of turn off at that point. What was the, the, the first project that you worked on when you thought, this could be something that could fucking make me money? Uh, I mean, really, that came early on because it was just video advertising in 2008 and 9 were starting to become a real thing so it was between that and like music videos music videos were always super easy because you didn't have to worry about sound you're overdubbing sound Mm. so it was like man people are always going to need these things they're going to need you know i was just driving once with i would keep all my camera gear in the in the truck and i was driving down the beach in navarre and saw this guy with a paraglide, uh, a motorized paraglider that was that was in the in the sea in the bay there, and he was he was a rental place. It was like, hey, we'll take you, take you for a flight. And I just walked up. I was like, I got all my camera gear here. You want to take me up and I'll film you a commercial? And he was like, absolutely. Like, and then he ended up giving me like ten free flights after the commercial was done. It was like, okay, this is currency, you know. I wanted to use a bar for uh, a video idea that I had. Well, I shot them an advertisement that they could post on Facebook. And then they're like, yes, we, we will let you come in when we're closed. It was like, this was a form of currency. So it, it just kept going. I think people have forgotten about the barter economy. You know, like that, that kind of like service for a service. You know, we, we're so used to like this kind of like this transactional thing of like this, this is the way it has to be. It's like one person has to hand over money. The other person has to take it. That's the way it is. But I think that when someone does something like you're doing and just asking, it's amazing how many people will like, that's one of the things we do on this podcast and stuff is, um, you know, a lot of the, like people want to sponsor the podcast. It's like, you don't have to pay. What, what have you got going on? Okay. You want to do, you have this product. I'll take some of those. We'll give you some adverts. Yeah. You know, and, and. And, and and that's the way that it's been through most of fucking human existence. It's only recently that we've kind of gone into this thing of it's got to be money, but like you've got to be willing to put yourself out there and like what's the worst that can happen? That guy doing the paraglide was like no. Yeah, but the thing is, is nobody nobody says no to this stuff. <laughs> I mean, really, the the, the median that you get like almost nine and a half times out of ten is man, I've been meaning I've been meaning to look into getting a video done. It's like great, I'm right here. Do you, do you find with, because obviously now like your company's really well known and stuff, are you now on the back end of a lot of that with people coming to you and stuff of like, this is what I can do for you? Well, I mean, it's it, it's kind of biding time. I mean, I don't have a lot of time for other people, but I have made it for friends that just want advice or like a consultation of where to spend dollars. Because the one thing that we got really good at in the beginning was spending the least amount of money with the most amount of return. It's like, and, and we got smart because when it's your money that you're spending on marketing, you're not going to waste it. You're not going to overlook something that may have just been a waste. Like you're not just throwing cash in a, in a garbage can and lighting it on fire. So that, that'd be the difference between someone you learn being self-employed than like, say, if you're working for some huge, if you're working for Coca-Cola, 
you're probably not going to worry so much about that shit. Yeah. A, a, a marketing officer, a chief marketing officer for Coca-Cola isn't funny. So what do they care if it works or not? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, and that's what I've seen with a ton of marketing officials is they, they spend tons of money on tons of different things. And then when the one thing that works they take credit for it. Oh, but yeah, 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 that was all me. One, one thing that you guys have done is is you've been ahead of the curve on stuff, like the video thing for, for you know, like you're saying, the ads on videos and, and that kind of thing. A lot of people are only just cluing onto that now, you know, 2021. 20, 20, and even if you clue onto it now, you're still ahead of most people because a lot, you know, still most companies and things don't, don't do this. I'm in a position you were just saying about doing this. I, I will say this as a small business owner, because I am a small business myself, it's, there's so much stuff, like you're saying, with a guy that would come up and say, I'll, I'll, yeah, I've been wanting someone to do the video. I fucking like, will back that up 100%. If you go to small businesses, most of the time that person has loads of stuff on their plate that they want to get done that they just that they just don't have the time for because they're a one-man fucking band a lot of the time. And um, You just don't know, you know, when you're, when you're starting this out on your own, you don't know what a good video guy is and what a good video price is, you know, and that's a lot of stuff I do for my friends is I will, I will analyze production costs that they bring to me and let them know if, Hey, this is legit or Hey, this person is, is, is ripping you off. People will see your videos and that kind of thing for every like minute of content that they're seeing on, on, the, on Instagram. How much work has gone into that in, in like planning and execution and stuff on it? I mean, I'm sure obviously it varies, but yeah, that'll vary. That'll vary for what kind of production, you know, when you look at one of our high, high ball, uh, commercials like the Bass Pro Shop or the, or the, uh, mortar team, you know, that takes a lot of planning, props, costumes, people, lighting, shooting, and then editing and getting that done. Whereas dude, some of, some of our highest performing videos though, were shot on a whim on a cell phone real quick. Hey, grab this real quick. And it just, it all comes down to you having something quality, a quality message or a quality piece to show the world. And when you have, when you keep that quality high, you're going to get the traffic that you, that you're looking for. One of the things that you've said a couple of times is that you've just got your camera and stuff on hand. That seems to be like a, yes, an important, that, that seems to be like an important, like part of your SOPs. I keep it with me everywhere. You never know when it's going to be time. That's a really important one. I think for anyone that wants to do anything creative, if you want to write, have a notebook or, or something that you can write down because like a lot of the time this stuff will come to you and if you haven't got the if you haven't got the equipment or the whatever even if it's pen and paper to execute at that moment it can fucking go do you believe right we've had like Stephen Pressfield and stuff on the podcast before me and him have kind of got into this then we talked with Jack about it a bit as well it's like where do ideas come from because this is something that really interests me like where 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 do you think the ideas where do you think the ideas come from like because I'm sure you have it you're lying in bed it's 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever and you're like Something will just come to you. Where do you, where do you think that we, we kind of get, like, do you believe in like the muse, quote unquote, the muse and all that kind of thing? Like, where do you think creativity comes from? No, no, not necessarily the muse, but in order, you've got to, you've got to kind of rid yourself from irritations and negative, negative stuff. If you're going to be getting good ideas, because if you're too bogged down with, with bad shit, you're not, you're not thinking about random shit. So <laughs> that's great. It's great. It's great fucking point, man. What, what people can, I think what people confuse as what they, when they say, Oh, they need a muse that could just be a person, place or thing that calms them down and gets them to forget everything. And then they're able to get those ideas. I think like, like you, you're fucking dead. Right, man. Like you have to be, okay with being alone with your thoughts in order to have thoughts right because if, you, if you're constantly trying to fill your mind up with noise be that netflix phone you know what whatever then you're not going to be able to there's going to be no space for creativity 100%. that's why people come that's why people come up with ideas in the fucking shower because it's one of the only times you get fucking phones out of people's hands and get them away from screen so people are like oh i've just had this great idea in the shower it's like well yeah it's because you would you would have had it somewhere else but you're you know you're constantly you know kind of and we all, you know, we all do this to some extent. There's, if you you processing other information. absolutely, and you can't like you can't output if you're just constantly kind of inputting. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was the because I saw the Dan Crenshaw uh, advert. And people might have seen this where you know he did like Dan Crenshaw, the ex Navy SEAL. Um, 
And he does, uh, you know, he had this like action packed, it's like a campaign video. And I, and I saw that you were di- directing it. Was that something that like, oh, cause I know, I know you, you guys obviously have a relationship with, with Dan, but was that something that you did? Was it like a deliberate thing of like, you wanted to go more towards, um, or more outside of the veteran world and more into like poli- political world and stuff? Or was it just a fun video for mate? No, that was, that was, that was us making sure that when our friends wanted something that it was done correctly, you know, Dan had this idea, this concept for a really cool commercial. And, you know, when he expressed it to me, it was like, just let me do it because I don't want, <laughs> don't take this to anybody else. They'll fuck it up. Like, and they will. There's, there's very few, you know, you look, there is not a single person on the political spectrum that does political ad campaigns that could pull that off. They just don't have the contacts. They don't, they don't, they don't even know where to start. Like if you tried to put somebody else that spent their career doing political ads and say, Hey, you have to find a twin blade C-130 looking aircraft for Dan to jump out of. Do they even know where to start? No. Do I, does it take me one phone call to find it? Yes. <laughs> and that's what I'll say. There was a, there was a guy out there that was all, uh, you know, hurt feelings and poop pants that Dan went to me for that. Well, he can fuck right off. Yeah. He can't do this. Fuck shit. Him. And he never will be able to do this shit because he doesn't have it in him. <laughs> <laughs> gauntlet, gauntlet thrown down on the, ju- on the fucking <laughs> dueling field. Do you, do you think that it's possible to be, cause I know you guys have got pulled into stuff a few times. Is it possible to be a big business and not get dragged into politics? Uh, yes and no. I mean, you always have to, I mean, you got to draw your line in the sand. We definitely have. Um, but I mean, now politics are just a clown show. Like it is just, it is straight theatrics at this point. Like really we've never changed though. We've always been the same. Leave us the fuck alone. We don't care. <laughs> Isn't it insane? Let people do what they want to fucking do. Who are you to say no? Like I can't believe that like 99% of people don't agree on leave us the fuck alone as political beliefs. Yeah. Like I, I, I cause we, uh, you actually have like in America, there's more, like, I think that there's more of that. And I mean, you're in Texas. I think you, you know, you get more of it again in Texas, but it's just like, I, it just blows my mind that people can't just be like, Oh, you just want to be left alone? Okay, cool. Like, why is that so? Why is that so hard? It's like I'm making my money, I pay my tax, just leaving the fuck alone. <laughs> I mean, I think we should be celebrating the fact that we no longer have to worry about somebody next door rolling in and burning our fucking city down and killing everyone. <laughs> like, that fuck that was happening 300 years ago. Mm. That's like four humans ago, four generations ago. That still was going on. Like, let's all just go. Hey. We can chill for a little bit. <laughs> Dude, my fucking granddad used to fly over Europe and flatten cities. Like, the, my granddad. Yeah. You know, like, we, we have a... Um, a when it, where, out the back of my house, if I go if I go walking um, out the back of my house, you can see where sticks of bombs have, like, sticks of German bombs have landed. <laughs> and, like, you, you're right. It's just, like, you know, kind of chilling. I seem to find, like, veterans go, like, one way... On a, there's like a fork in the road after you leave service. It's either like you become pretty chill and you're like, hey, let's just all get along. Or you kind of like double down with the, you know, the 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 aggressiveness and stuff. But you mentioned the, the, the club earlier. I do think that there is like you have like you have by serving, you have joined this like special club. Um, and I, I, I think because I, I hear like a lot of negative shit talked about, you know, the veteran community, people talk negative shit on it. I found it fucking amazing. I've met loads of fucking cool people on it, self included, and and I found loads of people are willing to help you, and and you guys have done a lot to give back to the military and veterans. But I wanted to ask if you had those people that make those comments though of that talk shit about the veterans. Those those people provide no value. They've never done anything. Yeah. The people that fucking talk shit to me on the internet, I'll go right back to him what have you fucking done dude let's let's look at your combat history let's look at your military history and then let's look at what you've done after you left because you know what in the real world you have to have accolades to fucking talk shit (laughs) so so go ahead like because if we if we pull your history out and you never even went to war and then you were a fucking shitbag when you were in the military and now you just want to shit on the people that that found success found found popularity but also use that to help 
other people, well, you're just a miserable yeah. fuck. Just fuck her up. <laughs> That's an, do, do you actually, do you get, because I never even thought about Bella, but do you get that? Uh, it's here and there, but, but the thing is, is everybody that's always attacked me, it comes down to they tried and failed. <laughs> so, like, I've seen people that have attacked me when I go and dig into who they actually are. It's like, oh, they tried to start a YouTube channel and failed. They tried to start a shirt company and failed. And, and, they, and they just go, oh, those guys, those guys are douchebags. Those guys are bro vets. It's like, what the fuck is a bro vet? Like, uh, yeah. It's nothing. Like, it, it, that doesn't exist. Like, I mean, <laughs> we're not all running around like we're in some frat high-fiving each other like we're dude perfect. Like, <laughs> we're just fucking stupid-ass jokes. And we, made, and we made all this shit up, too, by the way. Like, we we wrote all our videos we wrote all our music and then we turned around and we learned how to use cameras and editing software to make finished products and that's another thing i say to him show me one fucking thing that you've ever had an idea in your head and then created it from nothing like and and that's the thing the guys that are talking shit they they have their bag is empty it's fucking empty <laughs> yeah no dude it's it's 100 i agree and i I was lucky i kind of learned this lesson early because i had mates who uh in in music and like i learned this lesson through while i was still in the kind of like the, coming out of the military doing private security i learned this lesson through them they'd be like look the people that give me all the shit that i've learned i usually look into it and they wanted to be a dj and they failed or they wanted to make music and they failed and so they hate me because they do it so I was quite lucky that I learned that lesson that when I started getting shit off people, because I'll, I'll have people, mate, review every one of my books, even though they hated the last one. I'm like, why are you back reviewing this next one then if you hated the last one? Um, and Well, dude, you know what? I, and, and you know what it comes down to? The lack of even trying. Mm. They're just lying to themselves. They claim that they tried. It was like, I've seen so many people that tried to start a brand and failed, but guess what they never tried to do? They never tried picking up a camera. They never tried learning the hard shit that would have propelled and sold what their message was when they came up with it. So it's like, <laughs> don't get mad at me because we just, we just did, we just were okay with doing the hard work and really learning it and not, not, not starting things out. You know, too many people, you know, they want to, they want to file for their, for their business. And the next day they want to tell everybody they're a CEO. Well, that, that just doesn't work. Like you have to, you have to have a business. You have to understand the business. You have to know what you're doing. You have to, you have to become a CEO. <laughs> yeah. It's not just, it's not just, a bio. you, can, you can't, you so, can't just put it in your, in your, in your bio and that, that's it. But I mean, dude, like what you mentioned about Evan says it all. He was way into coffee. He already had his book of roast. He was doing it in his basement. And, and then Evan became a CEO. He pushed himself into the weeds of the business of the business. He pushed himself into the operations side. You know, he, he, he had at one point pulled fulfillment for black rifle coffee in house where him, myself and Matt best, we're all, we're all packing the very boxes that you guys ordered. Like, and Evan continued to do that. He put, he put himself into the HR world and learned it. He put himself in, in, into logistics, supply chain, everything like that. Shipping. Evan became a CEO. Because he, he, it was a necessity and he wanted to. It wasn't just a title for him. It wasn't just a, oh, look at how cool I am. And you can see the difference between our company and, and others that have come and gone. That is why. And, and, and the thing about the content as well is like you'd be making, as you did, you'd be making videos and content if you weren't getting paid for it. Yes. You know, if you weren't like, and, and that's the fucking difference as well. Is like, it's like, the money isn't the goal. The money is a byproduct of loving something and putting in the time to learn it and doing it again and again and again. And when you do that and you get good at something, I don't care if it's swinging a fucking bat or if it's fucking, uh, if it's making fucking films or whatever. Once you get good at something, you will eventually get fucking paid well for doing it. Simple fucking equation. But yeah, mate. Uh, so I wanted to ask, like, like, out of all these kind of, these, these, like, these things that you do putting on, um, you know, you guys put on a lot for, for veterans, uh, and the military. Are there any kind of, like, stories that stick out for you or people that you meet that are kind of something that you're like, you know, one of those, like, oh, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. Moments. I mean, yeah, yes, it, it happens all the time, but I mean, it's just like, everything's so fast paced. We haven't really had time to digest what happened last, you know, two weeks ago, we did the, the veteran adaptive athlete shoot, you know, where we had 
over 30 adaptive athlete veterans that are missing limbs that came out to shoot uh, archery out at our ranch. That was awesome. Like to see, to listen to their, you know, I had, I had them on the podcast on free range American not too long ago. And for them to say, Oh, I got into archery because you guys announced that you were going to do this. And now I love it. It was like, well, shit, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking cool. So yeah, there's, there's a ton of really cool things, but I mean, also too, um, there's a ton of things that, that have happened that we don't publicize because we didn't do it to publicize. So, and that's another, that's another, that's another irritating factor when people want to talk shit. It's like, got the people that know us, know us, you know, when you showed up on our doorstep years ago, you were invited in. Yeah. <laughs> I've said, dude, I've said this, I've said this multiple times. I'm like, cause I'll be honest, dude. Like there's a lot of like celebrity British military guys who won't do shit for other veterans. That's just the fucking bottom line. Yeah. But like you guys, I'm like, Hey, can I come? I want to come to the facility. It's like, all right, cool. Come, you know, it's, and, and I, and I found that with like, I don't know, maybe it's that Texas hospitality and stuff, mate. But like I said, like I, my, my fingers with the, the, you know, quote unquote veteran community, I think it's fucking, fucking awesome. I made loads of fucking mates, um, and loads of people willing to help you out. Um, and you know, and I, I've got nothing, well, I've got some bad things to say about certain individuals, but they, for me, aren't in the community. They're on the outside throwing rocks in. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. Mate, do you have um, any messages you'd like to leave our noble listeners with before we uh, wrap up? The thing that I could say best is if there's something out there that you want, like, you have to be real for yourself if you're actually trying. You have to be honest. Like, and and that was... That was a realization I came to years ago when I had all my camera gear and crazy looking bedroom with TV screens everywhere, <laughs> things like that. And, and it was like, what are you doing? You have all, you tell everybody you want to make movies someday, but what are you doing to get there? And it was like, after that, I started forcing myself to do one tutorial a day. I needed to learn one skill inside Premiere, Photoshop, final cut motion or after effects a day. And that's what eventually propelled me to becoming an expert in visual arts and, and made, made it autonomous for me to be able to advertise anything I can think of. You know, I have, I'm two weeks away from launching my own hot dog brand now. And it's like, so anything that you can think of, I just, I, and, and that's what you got to do. If you have some big dream, if you have some big plan, if you claim one day I want to have a million dollars in the bank, well, really look at yourself in that mirror and go, did I need to go to Buffalo Wild Wings four nights this week and spend $60 each night? Did that, did that help me get towards that goal? No? Okay, well, then I need to cut some shit out and I need to rearrange my life to, to actually be working towards that goal. Mate, 100% agree with everything you just said there. Bro, thanks so much for your time today, mate. Hopefully we'll catch up in the not too distant future if I'm allowed to travel. 100%. Well, as, soon as, you, as soon as they release the, the shackles, come see us, my man. Release the shackles. Love it. All right, bro. Thanks for your time today, mate. I'll catch you soon. All right. Take care, bud. Guys, thank you for listening to today's podcast. JT, thanks for coming on, mate. Good to have a catch up. Uh, guys, you know the score. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please tell a mate. Please bring us a mate. We should be seeing a podcast double every week. And the reason that's important, as I've said before, not for my ego. As long as i got one person listening to me or the cat, my ego is satisfied. Um, but as you guys will probably agree, or you wouldn't be here, there's something worth hearing in the podcast. So let's get that out there to as many people as possible. There's millions of veterans out there in the English-speaking world literally millions so let's reach them all or give them at least a chance to listen to the podcast so if you know someone bring them along if you've got civilian mates too i know we have a lot of civilians listening i don't want to be shitting on civilians like they're not important you guys matter too just not as much as veterans but you still matter so spread the word please bring mates along and as always support our guests the black rifle guys uh, um, they make absolutely fantastic coffee, guys. I have tried it myself. I drank it myself. I love it. So I can give you the seal of approval on that one. Combat Fuel and Zulu Alpha Straps, please get behind them like they get behind the podcast. Escape the Lakes, 
please get behind them. Royal British Legion, all they ask is that you familiarise yourself with what they have going on. And it's the 100th birthday of the Royal British Legion. So let's give them a nice little birthday present and tell our mates and um, and just direct them to the office, um, direct them to the services that Royal British Legion have on offer. They ain't trying to sell you nothing, trying to give you stuff. So check them out. All right, guys, I will catch you next time, and I love you, bye. You told me not to worry, and you wouldn't break my heart. You told me you were sorry, and my whole world fell apart. You said it's not my fault, and yeah, I've never done you wrong. I'm grinding to a halt, now I can see you're moving on. I promised I'd get better, and I told you things would change. You keep me to the gutter, yeah, I'll never be the same. I've got to let you go, now live your life and spread your wings, and yeah, you put on quite a show, and pulled the puppet strings. And are you sure that you don't want me? Remember all the pain, or maybe you should thank me. It's your loss and my gain I'm leaving now forever I won't hang my head in shame But yeah, you've taken me for granted And you should feel ashamed You sold a dream to all of us A dream that we'd all die for A reason for us all to live And something we could fight for I might just help a man up to his feet Or hold a newborn But no matter what I do My hands remembering my rifle, yeah Life's hard, I know that Still wouldn't change shit I wouldn't go back, yeah I wouldn't go back Feelings I hold back Memories fade, yeah, they go fast, yeah, they go fast Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose